The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Wednesday was quite a day for the Chicago Bears in multiple different ways. And one thing that made significant waves throughout the entire NFL, in part because there was a tweet that maybe overstated the situation a little bit, but let's just hear it for ourselves, Christopher. Justin Fields, normal Wednesday midweek press conference. He was asked this question as it relates to the Bears' loss to the Buccaneers on Sunday, and Justin Fields not playing very well in that game. What didn't you like about your performance from week two? Here's his answer. I didn't like, I felt like, you know, I wasn't necessarily playing my game. Uh, I felt like I was kind of robotic and, you know, not just, not, not, not playing like myself. So, um, you know, uh, my goal this week is just to, you know, say effort and just go out there and, you know, play football how I know how to play football. I mean, just going back to it's a game um, and, and, and that's it because that's when, you know, I play my best is, I'm just out there playing free and uh, being myself. So um, I'm going to say kind of just bump all the, you know, the, you know what I should do, what I, uh, this and that, like pocket stuff. Like I'm going to go out there and be me. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Um, you know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it, you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week. And then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. We've got more to play from Justin Fields, but let's just kind of catch up right there. Yeah. I interpret those remarks as being an indication of some sort of tension between what they're trying to make Justin Fields into and what Justin Fields believes he naturally is. Instead of him going out and being authentic and free 
and leaning into the things he does well, such as ripping off a 60-yard touchdown run seemingly every game. They're trying to make him into something he's not. Now, there's more to play from him, Chris, but yeah. that was my first reaction. What was your thought when you when you heard that first piece? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, the, first off, like, to go to the coaching thing and say that there, right, that's, that's just – it's a dangerous comment. I don't think he means to be, like, mean or, or you know – or, or trying to cause a schism or problem there, but he obviously has a feel that there's they're coaching them. He, he's being coached so much that he's locked up mentally a little bit, right? And he wants to be more free. Okay, so I, I get that, and there is a fine line there. But when you watch Justin Fields, and, like, Mike, I'm sure you've seen some of the highlights this week. I talked about it last week when we broke down their the opening game against the Packers, right? When our podcast, you know, it looks like he's playing free. I I don't know what else to say. There's people open all over the football field. He they're they're open everywhere. I mean, in the game last week against the Buccaneers, I mean, everybody on TV is making excuses and blaming everybody except the guy who's in charge of pulling the trigger. So I, I, that's where I'm a little like, I don't know if I can totally buy into what he's saying there, right? I mean, again, you look on social media, you know, you watch any other sports channels on TV, they're showing you plays where you go, damn, it was a it was a, a, a two-minute segment and you just showed me four replays where he should be four for four for 190 yards. And that can't be because of overcoaching. It's like there's a guy running straight open down the middle of the field. So that's where I don't love that comment. Now, because I, 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 it, it feels like you're placing blame there a little bit. But, Mike, when you talk to people around the NFL, everybody feels like he's playing free and he's not really taking the coaching. People who play him, they go, he's just looking to run, and that's all he's going to do. And that's why he misses wide-open receivers down the field, Mike. You know, you watch it, He's he doesn't see down the field because he's always looking to run. His eyes are always down. They're never up like this when he's moving in the pocket or stepping in the pocket. And he's leaving lots of points and yards on the field for their football team. Um, so that's where, you know, I don't know if I can totally buy into those comments there. I understand he's frustrated, but to throw out the coaching thing, that's, you know, of course going to cause a little bit of a reaction from the media and everybody when you say that. Well, and that led to an eventual cleanup on aisle five that we'll get to momentarily. I think that one of the practical realities, though, if he's resisting, if he wants to do things a certain way and he's hearing these voices tell him to do something else, I assume it doesn't take much to just throw you off when you're back there. And you're hearing in your head what they want you to do, and you know what you want to do, and you're resolving that conflict one snap at a time. And what do I do? What do I do? What yeah, do I do? I, I know you. they want me right. to do this. I want to do this. This guy's open. That lane's free. What do I do? And by the time you resolve it, the walls have caved in. Now, here he is when he was asked the follow-up question of whether or not there are too many coaching voices in his head. Have a listen. I don't think it's too many coaching voices, but I just think when, you know, you're fed a lot of information um, at a point in time and 
you're trying to think about that info, like when you're playing. It's like it doesn't let you play like yourself. You're trying to you know, process so much information to where it's like, you know, if I just simplified in my mind, I would have did this. Like I saw a few plays on Sunday to where if I was playing like my old self, like we would have had a positive play. Like there would have been, you know, a few more third down conversions. So you said you wanted to keep the conversations with the coaches private, but did they seem receptive to these ideas that you're sharing? Of course. Of course. You know, Coach Flus is Coach Flus, Luke, everybody in the building is, you know, always receptive to what we have to say. And, you know, uh, anytime, you know, anybody has a problem or, um, you know, comes to them with anything. So they're all, always receptive to us. I think that I've, you know, had times where, like, okay, they want me to do it like this, so I have to kind of change it. But, I mean, I just have to, you know, it's it's, it's probably more of a me thing than a coach thing. So, um, you know, when they tell me things, of course, I correct it, stuff like that. But in the grand scheme of things, I have to still be, you know, um, the person and the player, you know, what's, what's got me up to this point. So um, rather than changing my whole game, just – you know, implement it in my game and, um, you know, make those little corrections, but don't allow that to change me as a whole player. If the coaches say, you know, we need to play better, we need to play better, I need to play better, I'm not taking that personal because, you know, I think everybody in here knows that I need to play better, including myself. So, um, you know, they're not going to take it per- uh, personal if, you know, us as players go to them and say, yo, I didn't like this call or, you know, uh, they need to be better. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're all grown men in the building and um, we all can take it. Now, look, when you hear that part of it, it takes some of the steam yeah. out of the first clip yeah, because right. he does acknowledge it's on him. And he's trying to process all this one day at a time as he goes from one game to the next and one game to the next. And is he going to grow? Is he going to plateau? Is he going to regress as a quarterback? So this obligation to sit there once a week and answer these questions, it is potentially going to lead him in a path where he says something. And there was one tweet in particular, and I'm not going to name names. There was one tweet in particular that made this seem like a five alarm fire. When we hear both of those clips, it really isn't Chris. No, it's not, you know, one, I, I, I appreciate his honesty and the fact that he's kind of letting us in behind the curtain to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm not doing my best and I am locked up in my brain and, you know, this is what I'm thinking to help me get, get the situation fixed. You know, it sounds like he wants things simplified, right? I, I think that's what just he, – he wants it that way. Now, and, and, I'm, 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 and good for him in acknowledging that and speaking his mind to the coaches and all that. I just think it's that first comment that, of course, yeah, is going to raise eyes or, or raise eyebrows, or as they say, whatever. I'm bumbling over my words there. But, yeah, uh, so I, I – you know, commend him for that. But but as you heard me say last week, the offense feels like it's very simple already, right? Now, I mean, does he want to run the ball more? Uh, you know, I, I, they haven't done that a whole lot this year. Maybe that's an element he's trying to ask for. Now, he takes a ton of hits already, so I think they're afraid to run him too much because he holds the ball and doesn't get it out of his hands when there's people open a lot of the times. So he brings a lot of that on on himself. But, yeah, this is a tricky situation. Again, this is, you know, a first-round quarterback. It's year three. It hasn't been very good. It's been below average the first two games of the year. And like we talked about, like, you know, you say those things, but it doesn't match up with what you see on the football field. And that's where I can't totally get behind him there. You know, some of the plays, again, that – 
you know, I've seen on ESPN and everything else, it's not not that complicated. It's like there's a guy here, there's a guy here, there's a guy running straight here. This guy was wide open. There's there's no complications on that. They can't be saying anything that complicated to to confuse you in those situations. So, you know, I, I feel for him. He's in a tough spot. He is. He's got nothing positive to bank on right now. And he's trying to explain the situation, but, you know, he's toting, uh, toeing a dangerous line there in the fact of, you know, kind of throwing the coaches in on this conversation because now it makes them look like they're, they're a part of this problem. And, yeah, the media and people like us, of course, are going to jump on situations like that. And what happened was from that first clip, again, there was one specific tweet from one of the beat writers that caught fire. And I just wonder, I'll save this comment until after we hear the next clip from Justin Fields. I have a theory as to what happened. But what occurred was the shit hit the fan, pardon me, after the Justin Fields normally scheduled press conference. So Fields had to get out the mop bucket, go into the locker room, meet with the reporters again, and try to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Here's Justin Fields with his effort to clarify what he was saying during his press conference. You guys' jobs are to get clicked, so it's like when you take my quote out of context and when you just say that, if you paint the picture on the inside out, like y'all are trying to split, split us up as a team. I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm never going to blame anything on the coaches, never going to blame anything on my teammates. I will take every, whatever happens in the game, I will take all the blame. I don't care. To drop pass, it should have been a pass. Put it on me. But never will you hear anything come out of my mouth to where I will blame it on somebody else. In this organization, my teammates, never will you hear that. So I just want to clear that up and just know that, like, I need to play better. That's it. Point blank. If, if y'all, that's, that's what I should have said in the first place. But, you know, I was trying to give y'all more details because... You know, I appreciate y'all for doing what y'all do, and I try to give y'all the information y'all want for you guys' job. So um, I'm going to do that and in the future. like, But I ask you guys to, just to put the whole quote out. Don't cut it up into words and pieces to make it seem like I'm saying something that I'm not. So, um, again, appreciate you guys what you do, and um, y'all have a pleasure. Now, Chris, look, I usually bristle at the taken out of context line and Peyton Manning said in the week one Manning cast he used that phrase and he said I don't think anybody knows what that means when someone says taken out of context that's just the usual reaction when somebody says something that someone else shines a spotlight on that isn't all that favorable but in this case in this case yeah this one's more subtle because I say all the time if you isolate a quote and you don't bastardize or twist the quote into being something other than what it was. You are not taking it out of context. But there was a broader context here where what he said early when he seemed to be blaming coaching was softened dramatically by what he said later. That is what he's complaining about. Yeah. And that all traces to the tweet that I saw where one of the beat writers emphasizes the idea, and I'm looking for it now, that that he was blaming coaching. Here it is. 
Justin Fields acknowledged he's been playing too robotic, then bit the pin off the grenade and rolled it into the building with his explanation for why he believes it is this way. Quote, coaching, end quote. Wow. Yeah. That's from a beat writer. Here's what I, here's my theory. And I'm sorry to hog the mic here, but I want to get this yeah, out. Yeah, go ahead. Because I think this is what's going on. I feel like the people who are actually boots on the ground covering the teams are trying to keep up with these stupid-ass bot accounts that we don't know who these people are. They're just initials. They're, they're eggs on Twitter. Like, and they are either buying followers or buying likes. And people listen to this. Whatever it is, WTF football, JPT football, what all, and they pop up, and I don't Dumb follow them, and they like pop up into my feed all the time. Yeah, those people, you mean? They, they, they pop, they pop up into. At least we know who he is, and he actually has a writing job now. Oh, but they no. pop up into my feed, and I don't follow them. So what happened? They're trying to keep up with them because their style is to sensationalize, and they don't care that it's not accurate. They just want to sensationalize. Yeah. So now we're seeing the beat writers trying to went in Rome and the guy that posted that tweet yesterday unfairly sensationalized what Justin Fields said. And I think at some level, he's trying to keep up with the bot accounts that are grossly and deliberately and intentionally twisting and warping and sensationalizing yeah, everything. Agreed. And it's a threat to the people who are actually out there doing the work. Yeah, no, I agreed. You know, that, that that's too harsh. It, it really is. You know, pull the pin on the grenade. Like, get, get out of here. That's not what that sounded like. Again, it's not. And and I'll echo the sentiment again. I, I appreciate that he was open. He was trying. He's, he's a good guy, Justin Fields. He is. He's trying to be respectful and give a little bit of like inside his brain as far as what's going on there. But the, the, the problem is he broke kind of the golden rule of football, which is just don't bring other people up in your press conference, right? Like he said at the end, I should have just said it's my fault. I got to be better, blah, 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 right? Because you just you give, you give people a little ammo. And, yeah, then people go and they do take it, you know, to another level and out of context for sure. You know, so it, it's, it's, listen, nothing's been easy for him. And he's, he's handled himself really for the most part like a true professional. He has. I give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, I do. But, yeah, it just when, when you kind of make that one little comment in this day and age, we know where that goes. Uh, but, yeah, it was sensationalized without a doubt to a degree that was not fair to Justin Fields there all the way. It was not fair to him. Uh, but, but he knows better, too, to, to not kind of go down that road. And, and hopefully he'll learn that, you know, for, for sure here now going forward. Well, this is part of the career arc and the overall experience of any quarterback or any player that is the center of attention. And in Chicago, a great football city – we were talking about this recently. Like, yeah. You know, the year we went there, 2019, for the first game of the season. I'm like. It's like, one of the greatest football towns in, in the NFL. A better football team. Yeah. This place deserves more than what it gets. One Super Bowl win in all these years, a team that far more often than not stinks. And now they're dealing with early season stink and chaos. But my point is, when you get yourself in this spot as the Justin Fields you you get more reluctant to talk to people in the media yeah. because you wonder when they're going to do it to you next. So he's going to be more guarded. He's going to be more careful. He's going to be more reluctant, as he should be. Yeah. As he should be. When his comments, which were thoughtful, 
and candid and not on a teleprompter. He doesn't have the benefit of knowing what the questions are going to be in advance. So he's thinking out loud through a lot of it as he tries to explain what's going on. And he's 23 years old, yeah, right? Know. If he's right. that old. Right. And, and for somebody who's been doing this for over a decade to take that one word and characterize it as him pulling a pin on the grenade and rolling it back into Hallis Hall is bullshit, frankly. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. It is. You know, I, I think if, if he could do it all again, you know, you just don't go down that road there a little bit. You know, you just go you, – you can explain and make your point without saying the word coaches, right, as we've seen, and what a lot of other good quarterbacks do. Hey, I'm in my own mind. I'm, I'm thinking too much. You know, I'm out there. The coaches – uh, you know, the, 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 I'm thinking about all these rules and things, and I just got to go out and play, right? It's got to be something along those lines, right? And, 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 and that's, that's maybe where he messed up a little bit, but I don't think it needed to be blown up to the degree it was yesterday. That's for sure. You know, that was a little too harsh by the Chicago media and some of the stuff I saw on social media as well. And, and it is, it's been tough. Well, well, well. Yeah, yeah. All it takes, all it takes is one beat writer to sensationalize it, and here come the bot accounts to amplify it and magnify it. And how I didn't realize until we played the clips today how over the top all of this was. And they're acting like the sky is falling in Chicago. And Well, I read it yesterday, and as I read it all, I thought, this isn't that bad. He's just being open here. It's just that one part. It's just that one coaching thing that everybody just ran off with. And, yeah, you know, I'm sure he wishes he would have phrased that a little bit better. Uh, okay. You know, but like you said, he's 23. But he clarified it later. I know. No, I know. He, in the same session, not when he came back to the reporters, he said it's him. He's got to take the coaching. He's not blaming the coaches. Yeah. He wasn't blaming the coaches. He, so, anyway. Um that's not the only thing that happened. Holy cow. In Chicago. Now, this is crazy. Allen Williams situation. Okay, and this is another one where the bots are running wild, and we don't know what's happening or what's not happening. So here's to catch everyone up. Last week, Allen Williams, defensive coordinator of the team, had play-calling duties taken from him and absorbed by head coach Matt Eberflus, who was a defensive coordinator before he got the job. And then Alan Williams just isn't with the team. And, we're, we're, okay, what happened? Was Is it as simple as Eberflus said, you're not going to call the plays anymore, and Williams didn't react well, so Eberflus said, sit this one out, go home and cool off, and we'll figure it out later. What happened yesterday was Williams resigns. And on top of that, some guy no one's ever heard of, all due respect, someone with no track record of reporting news in the NFL – the Bears or anyone else. Not anything significant because, you know, every once in a while I'll see one of these reports and my first thought is who the hell is that reporting it? And when it's a bombshell, the question of who the hell is that becomes even more important. So somebody yesterday reports that the FBI raided Allen Williams' home over the weekend and raided Hallis Hall, the Bears' facility, on Wednesday. And in came the bots, and off went the bots, and it became regarded as as gospel truth that the feds showed up at Hallis Hall yesterday and raided it to the point where the Bears had to tell their reporters covering the team there has been no FBI raid at Hallis Hall today. And I assume that also means or Tuesday or Monday or any time recently. 
So I don't know what's going on. I got everybody I know asking me what's going on, and I don't know what's going on with Alan Williams. I don't know if his house got raided over the weekend. I mean, that, that's the thing. The guy who says, well, his house got raided over the weekend and the team got raided on Wednesday. The team comes out and says it didn't happen. What do we make of the the Sunday thing? Like, I would assume that we should view that skeptically as well. If the guy's wrong on one half, pretty important half, maybe he's wrong on the other half too. So I feel bad for Alan Williams that all this crap is out there, and I wouldn't have even addressed it at PFT if the Bears hadn't made the statement that the rumor that their facility had been raided by the FBI is false. Once they say it, you can't ignore it. No, no, exactly right. And, and like, listen, that's one of those things that if if the FBI raided either one of those things, there'd be enough people that would know for sure 100%. Like, it's not like it would be a rumor. It would be like, wait, hey, uh, I'm driving by the Chicago Bears facility, and there's a bunch of FBI trucks outside. Like, it would be all over the place. So I, I, I don't know what to believe in that department either. You know, and, hey, listen, obviously just to the football standpoint of things, they weren't happy with what Allen Williams was doing as far as defensive coordinator, okay? Which, which brings me back to another thing where I want to go, Matt Eberflus, in my opinion, like breaking the golden rule of coaching. You got hired – to be the head coach of the Bears because you're a good defensive coordinator. Coach the defense. Be the defensive coordinator and coach the team. It's like, did the 49ers hire Kyle Shanahan and go, you know, Kyle, don't call the offense. Get somebody else to do it. it it's, it's insanity. I, I don't understand when coaches do that. You got hired because you're a good defensive coordinator. Continue to do that when you're the head coach. It makes no sense to me at all. So the reason you got hired, the strength of what you are and why we hired you, we're going to put that on the back burner and just let you manage the football team. That never makes sense to me either. It's something I've argued throughout the, 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 the test of time or the, what do I want to say? The, I don't know, not the test of time. That doesn't make sense. But uh, I, I never understood that aspect of it anyways is what I'm trying to say. Usually I have an idea of what you're trying to do. In this case, I just don't. I, I, I can't even think of it right now. I'm still not feeling well, and my brain's cloudy, okay? So I'm not. But but you get the gist of what I'm saying. I don't understand that. As right. far as all the FBI raid stuff and all that, yeah, it's all rumors and BS on social media until I see something and factual off go the or bots. real. Exactly. Off go the bots. Right. Right. And the bots have no accountability. Most of them, we have no idea who they are. Who is MLF football? Who is JPL football? Who the hell are these people? When no one knows who they are, when there's no name behind it, when there's no publication behind it, when there's no financial risk behind being wrong, you just fire off the cannons whenever you can because it's for engagement, it's for likes, it's for followers, and I still think they're all buying followers and likes. Some of these numbers just don't mesh. But at the same time, I don't know how they've cracked the algorithm. I don't know. Maybe they're all Elon Musk because they all show up in that for you feed. That's a bunch of people I don't follow. What happened to just coming to Twitter and seeing the accounts you follow? I don't give two shits, frankly. Boy, that's three times today about these accounts that are for you. I know what's for me. I follow those accounts. I don't follow these bot accounts. So anyway. Um, it's, anyway, that's why that's why. So that ties it all together. 
the Justin Fields stuff, blame it on the bots. The Allen Williams FBI raid, all that getting amplified and sensationalized, blame it on the bots. And I feel bad for Allen Williams. We don't know what the truth is. But now there's this, and, and it sparks more speculation. Ooh, why would the, why would the, why would the feds raid his house? Ooh, what was he doing? Ooh, ooh, is it gambling? Ooh, ooh, is it this? Ooh, is it that? It's not fair if it's not true. No. So. No. What's unfortunate, uh, too, on and top I hope of it, that, Mike, is they got to I hope that somebody they, clarifies yeah. it. Yeah. No, I, I hope so, too. You're right. You know, listen, it, I, I feel for Justin Fields and how that went off the rails there a little bit. Right. And, yeah, that's an unfortunate thing uh, around around Alan, uh, Alan Williams. It, it certainly is. But but like that's got to get cleared up. And it's just unfortunate all this is happening this week when you got the Chiefs on the schedule. And you know it's going to be as tough as a football game as it can get on the road in Arrowhead. Uh, that ain't going to be easy. So they're dealing with major distractions here in a week where they're already, you know, fighting an uphill battle against one of the better teams in all of football. We know that. Yeah, a strange, strange day. An otherwise important day in the preparation week undermined by the Fields situation and the Allen Williams resignation. We're going to take a break. When we return... Some running back news from Wednesday that addresses a need that we knew about with one team and a need that we didn't really know about with another. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Masterforce Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Masterforce tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take off, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Colts tight end Colin Granson scores his first career touchdown in Houston on Sunday. There it is, reaching it across. Well done. Didn't fumble it through the end zone. Even better. Ooh. Careful reach. Oh, whoa. Oh, that might have ball. been North Korea. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. And, and <laughs> that's great. That's how he celebrates at the photo shoot. That's pretty the good. The baby is finally here. After three years of trying, it's finally here. Hashtag first career touchdown. Well done. But, yeah, yeah, the dingo almost ate your baby. Colin, because you almost fumbled it through the end zone and gave the Texans the ball at the 20. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, definitely risky, but I, that, I love that. Very creative. Uh, very creative with, with what he did there. I mean, that was very funny, so I, I give him credit for that. But, uh, yeah, we almost saw, you know, 
my favorite rule in all of football come about once again. Well, we almost saw it on Sunday with Tyler Lockett. We almost saw it there with Kylan Granson. And we saw it with Justin until Jefferson. Until they change it, until they change it, the coaching point is be very careful about reaching for the pylon because if that ball comes out of your grasp, the other team's going to get it, not at the spot of the fumble, at the 20. So we all know the risk until they change the rule, and they likely never will, at least not until it happens in a Super Bowl. All right. We're playing a little game of what's more likely here. Let's get let's get through this first one because the news <laughs> is embedded in the second two. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of confused by this, Pete. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be critical in real time. Yeah. I think we should just get – I don't think we need to play what's more likely. Let's just get to the news because it's fairly consequential. We don't need to force it into a, a Price is Right game with the guy yodeling up the... Hey, hey, Mikey the Snark. Relax, Mikey the Snark. Hey, chill out. The the show falls off the cliff. Let's get to the news. Some, some, (laughs) hey, look, I like news. Some people don't. Here's the news. Kareem Hunt, back in Cleveland. And I thought this was significant. His visit on Tuesday wasn't actually a visit. It was a trial. They made him come in and put him through the paces to see what he had left. And as Shereen Williams pointed out yesterday... Last year, it kind of looked like maybe he didn't have a whole lot left. Well, he had enough left that they were able to get him to agree to terms. And this is a guy who I think Chris had been waiting for more than anyone was willing to offer. And finally, we found a consensus between player and team. He's back with the Browns. He spent the last four years there. They had no intention of bringing him back. Now that Nick Chubb is out for the year, he's back. Jerome Ford is still the lead guy. But Kareem Hunt is back. Yeah, I mean, they needed another guy. We know that. I think they do. The, you got to do the right thing there. I think the right thing is, is to work out somebody like that. There's no doubt that he lost, you know, a gear, a step last year. There's no doubt about that. You know, and and what we're seeing too. Again, I know I said this the other day. We're seeing these teams. They're pretty much on point with when they're starting to feel out like this guy's lost. You know, he's lost something. He's lost a step. You know, he's lost sixth gear, right? So Kareem Hunt, yeah, they want to bring him in. You want to work him out. You want to see where he's at, too. It doesn't do good to sign him. And then, oh, damn, he's out of shape. And he's not going to be able to contribute to our football team for three weeks here because he's, you know, hasn't been been working out or ready to go for, for NFL football here. But he, he knows the system. That's, that's important. You know, he's still... You know, got got some experience and the ability to carry the ball ten times a game. I don't think they're going to lean on him in a big way. Ford's a pretty good player, so I understand them going going with him. You know, this is going to be a tough week for them. You know, they, they, they want to run the ball. We know that because the passing game is iffy at best at this point, and they got to play the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans, nobody has run the ball on the Titans yet, so it's going to be interesting just as far as the matchups concerned. You know, to see what the Browns' offense can do against this Titans' defense. But uh, nonetheless, Kareem Hunt is a good addition. Like I said, they need the depth and the experience, and he knows the system, and it makes sense from that standpoint. And this guy was the NFL's leading rusher in 2017. Career went off the rails in 2018 after the off-field incident came to light right around Thanksgiving weekend. I think it was the day after Thanksgiving when it all kind of hit the fan. The Chiefs cut him because the Chiefs believed he had lied to them about what had happened in that incident. The video proved that he had not been truthful with them. 
The next year he signed with the Browns, and he was there for four years. But last year was the year it kind of started to feel like it's the Nick Chubb show and Kareem Hunt is more and more of a supporting player, and we'll see how much of a supporting player he is to Jerome Ford. But he is back in the NFL after visiting the Saints and then the Colts, and then the Vikings. And that brings us to the other move that happened yesterday. And this surprised me when my son, who keeps an eagle eye on social media for anything that he thinks might be relevant to PFT, he sent me the tweet that the Vikings have traded for Cam Akers, the guy who's been in the doghouse most of the last two seasons. They couldn't trade him before the trade deadline last year. He actually got back into the fold. He had three straight 100-yard rushing games to end the season. We thought everything was fine. After one game in 2023, it wasn't fine. He's exiled again. This time they trade him. And they basically gave him away. This is one of the most ridiculous trades I've ever seen. Cam Akers plus a 2026 conditional seventh round pick to the Vikings for a 2026 conditional sixth round pick. And I don't know what the condition is. Is it he's on the team at the end of the year? Is it they sign him to a new contract? But the picks are conditional. It may be the Vikings ultimately give nothing for Cam Akers. Well, it it is amazing, you know, uh, as far as a guy that we know has talent that's worth more than that. But I think this is one of those cases where, yeah, you can't ask for a whole lot when you've already put it out there that he's not on our team anymore. So they're just, I think, happy to get rid of Cam Akers, the distraction, everything that's gone on with him. I think they feel that he did not act in a professional manner really throughout the last two seasons, and they'd had enough. And they felt like he was bringing down their football team and your Vikings football team, not been able to run the ball as of, as of late right? In the first two games, nothing going there. And okay, Kevin O'Connell, he came from the Rams. So he knows Cam Akers is going to know his system and fit in the right way there. So that's where it makes sense too. Uh, But yeah, we'll see where this goes. I don't know if it matters who's at running back for, for your Vikings football team right now, because when I watch, you know, the run game, it's not like I look at it and go, oh man, there's huge holes and they're just, they're missing them, right? He's talent. He's he's talented. We know that he can he can bounce to the outside, make plays there. He can run hard through the middle, like you're seeing here, and drive the pile. Uh, but but I think I look at the Vikings right now more on just the run game has to be better. They're all about the pass game, and it doesn't look like they work on the run game a whole lot there in Minnesota. Sixty nine rushing yards in two games for the Vikings, and right. I don't know if they're not committed to it or they just abandon it because if it's not working early why keep running into a brick wall literally when you can just throw it to Justin Jefferson or TJ Hawkinson or Jordan Addison or KJ Osborne right, that, that's we, where we, I feel we like... got the passing game right yeah let's just let's just pass let's pass to set up the run or pass to set up the pass yeah it, 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 like they obviously want to pass they sent us those signals all off season right we, we know that but man it's 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 hard living in the NFL to be that one-sided and to rush for 34 yards a game. That that's I, I don't care. You better have the most special quarterback and receivers in football to win football games and not not have a run game to that capacity. That's really rare that you're going to find success with that much of an imbalance. And uh, that's where the Vikings set, certainly got to you know, shore that up a little bit and then fix that problem. 
One of the ways you make an offense run in a consistently effective manner is to have the defense on its heels a little bit about what's coming. Yeah. Run or pass. That is the first important decision that gets made after the ball is snapped. And the best offenses disguise and they understand their own tendencies, and they know which formations they've run out of predominantly in the past and which formations they pass out of. And part of the cat-and-mouse game is make them think you're going to run and then pass. Make them think you're going to pass and then run. And if all you do is pass, 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 you've given the defense basically inside information because they just know. We, they just know. Pass rush up front. We know what the second level needs to be doing. We need. We know what the secondary needs to do. They need to be covering their guys. They don't need to worry about a, a sweep to their side. No, no, they're not going to run the ball. That takes, I would assume, Chris, a ton of stress and pressure off of a defense. De- definitely. It, it's definitely one of the things that's said about the Vikings a little bit when teams play them. You know, they teach their defenses, like even when they do play action pass, like don't overcommit to the run. You know, play that slow. Think pass when you see those type of things. You know, they, 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 they have little calls as far as how aggressive the second level should be, you know, on defenses. And, you know, slow flow or slow fill or whatever. There's different phrases teams use, and those are used against the Vikings. And yeah, it's hard to be successful that way. And then, of course, you're putting a ton of pressure on the offensive line, too. Because most of the game, they're they're doing this. They never get to fire off the ball and get in a rhythm and wear a defensive line out. It's just it's hard to win in the NFL that way unless you got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and and people like that. Okay, they can get 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 away with that to a degree, but it, it's it's few and far between that have teams that are built that way that can live that kind of life. And yeah, the Vikings kind of are are learning that the hard way here right now through two weeks. We're going to take a break. When we return, a closer look at the Thursday night game from the standpoint of some of the prop bets. Specifically, will the Giants finally get their first sack of the season? And more. PFT Live back right after this. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app and use promo code PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. All right, some of the props that are available via DraftKings for tonight's game, some of the little things that make it spicy, make it interesting. How about the simplest, the most common, the most usual prop? Final score, 49ers, 10.5-point favorites with an over-under of 44. Now, now, we're going to do our official picks coming up later this morning in the weekly Joint Mega Picks pod, but... I think we're both going to pick the 49ers to win. Is 10 and a half a little too much? Is it too much? You never know when they're going to kick a field goal with four seconds left. Well, that's, I I think if it was a normal week and it was a full week, I'd, I'd probably go, that is too much. I mean, I'd be like, no, excuse me. I'm saying that the wrong. If it was a normal full week, I'd go, I'll take the 49ers in the over. I feel like with the short week and some of the things we discussed earlier, and it being Thursday night football and teams can be a little sluggish and, you know, a few mistakes that, yeah, 10 and a half feels a little too much for me right now. Uh, I haven't, like, totally written down my final score quite yet. But when I see that right there, yeah, I'm thinking that that's a little too too high of a number uh, for Thursday night football. 
Again, we'll make our final picks coming up later today. The full Joint Mega Picks podcast will be available in the Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast feed, in the PFTPM podcast feed, and also at YouTube. And we'll use clips from some of the various games at PFT throughout the weekend. Passing props. Daniel Jones over under 215.5 passing yards. What do you got? Over or under? I'm going to go over. Because I don't think they're going to be able to run the football and they're going to have to rely on the passing game. And I envision them being down. So that's going to force them to have to pass the ball too. And I certainly could see this being a game where, you know, late game BS stats get accumulated that look a little bit better than the actual like, competitive part of the game looked, right? So I'll go the over with the 215. Hey, that's a great point. I mean, look at what happened on Sunday. They go, they go behind 28 to seven and they light it up. Right. And you're not going to have Saquon Barkley. They may just come out there and say it worked on Sunday when we were in a deep hole. Let's just let Daniel Jones go up and earn his $40 million per year. So I'm over as well with you. Brock Purdy over under 228 and a half passing yards. There's been a little concern on the deep ball accuracy. Yeah. Is he going to get more than 228 or less? Well, it, it, this is where it's like it, it's hard with the 49ers just because, they, I mean, they're so damn good in so many ways here, right? I, I'm going to go over here, though. I am. Uh, you know, one, I think that the, the, the Giants are in a tough spot here of, wait, we have to stop the run game, and now we're a little compromised with, like I said earlier in the show, some young corners and some people in the secondary that are going to have to match up against, you know, a pretty good receiving core by the 49ers. Let alone when you have to overcommit to one thing, you know, that's usually when Shanahan has something for you. Oh, you're going to overplay the run? Okay, well, I got this play action pass and this and that to take advantage of, you know, all the things you're doing. He's the king of checks and balances for his offense there. So, I think I'm going to go over with that one as well, Mike. Yeah, I think I will agree with you on that. Uh, and Brock Purdy still still creating a lot of excitement as he becomes maybe, maybe a franchise quarterback. We'll see. Not bad for the last guy taken in the 2022 draft. All right, rushing props. Daniel Jones, wasn't it a Thursday night game when he tripped over the five-yard line? I believe was it, it was. Thursday night game? Right. Either way, he once, he once tripped over the five-yard line. The over-under for his rushing yards is 37.5. And again, with no Saquon Barkley, does he take off from time to time enough to beat that number, Chris? What do you think? I'm going to say yes to that, too. I can't believe I'm saying yes to all these as we're sitting here. But, yeah, I, I, his legs are going to be imperative tonight. And Daniel Jones is a damn good runner, as we know. I mean, he's the type of guy that he could rip a 30-yard runoff, no problem. I mean, we see it a lot. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to have some quarterback design runs. I think he'll scramble a few times. That'll get him a few yards there. you know. And if the 49ers get over aggressive and stop in the run game, they always have the little read option and stuff to go along with it. I feel like the over's coming in that one as well, Mike. Yeah, no Saquon Barkley again. More passing, more running from the guy that you're paying $40 million a year to. Make him earn it tonight. It's a good opportunity to do so with Barkley out. Christian McCaffrey, 49ers running back, over under 78.5 rushing yards. We talked about him earlier. He plays a lot. He gets a lot of touches. He's averaging 24 per game. Does he get more than 78.5 rushing yards? I'm going to say no. I'm going to go under. This is the first one I'm going to go under. I think the Giants, knowing Wink Martindale, you know, his lineage, where he's come from, it's going to be all let's stop the run. 
Let's go all out to stop the run and see if Brock Purdy in the pass game can beat us. That's usually been the M.O. of a Wink Martindale. I'm, I'm going to ride that. I can see this being more of a McCaffrey receiving game where they find ways to get him out in the passing game, a few screens here and there. That, that really kind of is his big stat line tonight. But I, I think that the Giants will do everything they can to put all the eggs in one, or eggs in one basket. Uh, yep, all the eggs in one basket to stop the run game. Yeah, and look, he's had heavy workload each of the first two games. Short week. Yeah. You don't really need him tonight to get 25 touches. You shouldn't need him to do that to beat the Giants. You give him a little time off and uh, just manage him by not overdoing it, which leads to fewer than 78 and a half rushing yards. All right, let's look at the sack props, both for the 49ers and the Giants. This is for the over .75 sacks. And the clear favorite, Nick Bosa, followed by Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead. Then you've got the Giants who haven't had a sack all year long. Which of those is the most enticing to you factoring in the odds? Well, I, I think I think if I – the Javon Hargrave one is the one that I, I'd probably look at. You know, I mean, again, Nick Bosa, I, I would for sure say he's going to get a sack tonight, like 100%. But – Without Bredesen and the things you talked about early in the show when we talked about the matchup, you know, that group, Hargrave, Armstead, like Wilk said, you know, F the play-up, what they do there. Uh, I, I, you know, And the fact that I think that you know, Daniel Jones is going to probably have to drop back more than the Giants would like tonight, you know, the Javon Hargrave one's the one I'll look at. You know, him or Eric Armstead, I, I certainly could see them getting one to two sacks tonight. Yeah, look, this is such a crapshoot because the actual sack itself is a lucky opening that so many other things go into. Guys get close, and is the ball out? Did you get shoved out of the side? You know, you get the, the goal is to just be in the vicinity. And if you're consistently in the vicinity, the numbers in theory will come. But Nick Bosa doesn't have any so far this year. So just the odds tell me. Tonight's the night Bosa gets at yeah, least one. I hear he'll, you. He'll get that. He'll get that. Uh, that. That Tony Manero, John Travolta, Pompadour. He'll. He'll uh, on the. You know, underneath that big giant hammerhead shark helmet, he'll get that onto Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you there too. All and, right, and Mike. Last week, like you know, but uh, I don't know. Did they not have a sack last week? You know, that that was Matthew Stafford and McVeigh and that offense. They know how to get the ball to their hands quickly, right? I don't think they're going to have the same luxury here. The Giants tonight. We saw in week one, we got, what, Drake Jackson, who had three sacks. Hargrave had a sack in that game. Who else am I missing? Uh, Kerry Heider had a sack in that football game. I feel like it'll be more along those lines than, than what we saw last week with Stafford and McVay in that attack. We're going to take a break. When we return, week two feats of strength next here on PFT Live. Penix knows he has his favorite wide receiver, Roma Dunze, in a one-on-one -on -one situation, but the pocket is quickly collapsing around him. He can't fully step into this throw, which, keep in mind, requires about 55 air yards for it to be successful. Penix generates so much power from his hips and his torso that he could still make this throw. He doesn't need to fully get his base to hit the deep shot. These two have been money together 
all year. As you see right here, this is a great example of knowing when to uncork the bomb combined with an awesome catch from Madunze. That's my homie Connor Rogers showing you Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. in his weekly Big Ten film breakdown. You can find that full video on our YouTube.com slash NBC Sports channel. Also, this Saturday in the Big Ten at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, Maryland faces Michigan State. And then at 7 p.m. Eastern, we got a big one. I'm talking big. It's real big. It's Ohio State at Notre Dame. Catch it all on NBC and Peacock. I will be on the couch for sure for that 7 Eastern Ohio State-Notre Dame Clash of the Titans matchup. It's going to be awesome, but NBC Big Ten kicking butt. Can, can we get them to delay kickoff by about 30 minutes so when I get to the hotel in Greenwich, I have a chance to go get my dinner and settle in? 7.30 would be perfect. See if you can work on that. By the way, thanks for the invitation to come sit on the couch with, with you and have a little smoke and have a little drink and watch that game. Be a perfect night. High State Notre Dame. Okay, okay. Night. All right. All honesty here. I'll keep, I'll keep. You're going to. We're going to do that. I don't know if you want to come hang out with me at all right now because I have the plague over here, okay? So that that's that's <laughs> on your own thing. But my Aunt Wendy, you know, my Aunt Wendy, like the coolest aunt in the world, It's it was her birthday uh, September 20th, and she's coming over Saturday to kind of like do a little celebration at the house, right? So, you know, she probably will want you there. And this might be a good gift for her to bring, you know, Mikey the Snark over to the house so she can see you in person for the first time. So maybe we'll make that happen, okay? But you have the plague. Uh, well, that, hey, if you want to come by and hang out and, like, you know, join in the plague with me, that'll be cool. And Wendy's birthday, same day as my dad's birthday. Oh, my dad wow. would have been 102 yesterday. So happy birthday, Aunt Wendy. All right. So uh, we have a trivia question as we do the matchup Ooh. draft for week three. Here it is, Chris. The Giants down by 21 last week tied the largest comeback in team history. Giants legend Phil Simms, a.k.a. the big effort, staged two 17-point comebacks in his career. Who are the two teams that Phil Simms came back to beat from 17 points behind? Man, you, you're, you think this is going to get me? I mean, you know I'm a football historian, let alone a, a deep-rooted Phil Simms historian. So that would be the New Orleans Saints, 1986. I think that was week four. They were down 17 nothing, came back and beat them. And then I don't remember the week exactly, but a Monday night football game against Joe Montana and the 49ers out in San Francisco. They were down 17 nothing at the half and came back and beat the Niners 21-17. to all I remember from that regular season is when that SOB made the throw on fourth down to beat the fourth Vikings. Fourth and 17 the I on the, the sideline, Bobby Johnson toe-tapping. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get the first pick. Matchup draft, off we go. All right, well, I, I, I think one that's just I'm excited to see, you know, just from a mono-e-mono standpoint is the Miami Dolphins – Denver Bronco game, but Tyree Kill versus Patrick Sertain, right? Sertain, Ahmed's, you know, I mean, Sauce Gardner, uh, uh, who, 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 you know, Jair Alexander, uh, the top corners in football, uh, Diggs and Dallas, uh, for my money. And, you know, they're going to put them in some situations where they're going to go, now you got to man up and do this. So I'm excited to see that. I think if Denver 
wants to win this football game, they're going to have to take some chances and maybe put him on an island a little bit more than they would like to to stop all the other things that that, that Miami offense does. So that's one that caught my eye from the get-go. Uh, you know, Arguably the best corner in the game against the most dangerous receiver in football. And Tyree Kill, limited with an ankle injury in practice on Wednesday. Jalen Waddle in the concussion protocol. If Waddle can't play, you can devote even more resources to trying to neutralize Tyree Kill. I'm going to go to Washington where everybody loves the commanders. They're 2-0. and The subplot here, though, is Eric Bieniemy versus Sean McDermott. It's got shades of Chiefs bills. And Bieniemy getting a ton of praise for what he's done with that offense so far. Sam Howell looking good. The bills looking great on defense last week. They really got things sorted out after the Monday night opening loss to the Jets, but it just feels like mini Chiefs bills. Even though the commanders don't have the sizzle the Chiefs have, Biennemi yeah. has that sizzle, and it's Biennemi versus McDermott that I think creates the extra intrigue. No, it, it, it is cool. And, like, 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 Washington's fun to watch on offense. They're not perfect. The quarterback's a little crazy, but he makes plays. There's no doubt about that. And then the other thing I like what Biennemi is doing as compared to what in Kansas City, he's staying patient with the run game. I mean, Brian Robinson and, and, and you know, uh, Gibson, they have been a part of the game plan and been impressive that way. So, you know, I, I really like what Biennemi's done with that Washington Commanders football team. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go to the Patriots-Jets game next and just go to Nathaniel Hackett versus the Belichicks and Gerard Mayo, whatever, the defensive coaches on that, that – there's there's got to be you know there's got to be more to the Jets offense they got to rethink some things here and be a little bit more creative whether that's motions shifts you know I as you heard me yelling during the game right at one point I was literally yelling can we just max block things up and let the guy drop back and feel comfortable so we could throw down the field and then he threw a touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson like the very next play after I said that you know, there's got to be a little bit of a change in approach here. And I, and I know it's not easy because they expected life with Aaron Rodgers, but uh, the, the Patriots certainly have had their numbers, and, and the, the, the Jets got to bring some, some new wrinkles to the table if they want to get this win this weekend. If there is a must-win game on Sunday, it's in Minnesota where the 0-2 Chargers face the 0-2 Vikings. And I'm going to go Brandon Staley versus Justin Jefferson because what did Brandon Staley, the head coach and basically a defensive guy, he's responsible for everything, particularly the defense, what did he do week one against Tyreek Hill? Singled him most of the game. You do that to Justin Jefferson, you're going to pay for it repeatedly. Gave up 215 yards to Hill in week one. How many will Justin Jefferson get? He currently leads the league with 300, and the Vikings had a couple of extra days to get ready for this one. That, to me, is a huge wrinkle in a very important game for both of those teams, Chris. Yeah, big, I mean, huge, huge game. Huge game for both. It feels bigger for Brandon Staley. That's what I'll say to that. I mean, it seems like the spotlight and the pressure is on him in a big way right now. Early bye may help him. If that bye was week seven, week eight, week nine, it could be bye-bye by then. But it's probably going to be too early. they got a week five bye. It's probably going to be too early for the Chargers to make a change if they're even inclined to do it. Let's take a break. One more round of the week three matchup draft when we wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. All right, one more pick, the week three matchup draft. Chris, what do you got? Well, I'm going to go to something we talked about a little earlier. We talked about Kareem Hunt, right? 
It's the number one rushing offense in football, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, there's no Nick Chubb. But as we talked about, Ford's pretty damn good. You know, it's still a really good offensive line. But this Titans D-line, it, they're, you know, they're stout. It's, it's, what is it, 65 yards per game right now they're letting up in the rushing department? All right, and, 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 of course, the Saints got a pretty good offensive line. And the Chargers ran the ball all over the place on the Dolphins in week one and couldn't run the ball a lick last week against that Titans defense. So I'm excited to see that right there. Because I don't think the Browns are going to be able to rely on that run game, uh, and and if they have, then they're going to have to rely on that pass game, which is which is very iffy right now behind Deshaun Watson and company. I usually hate doing a game you already did. I think I've done it two weeks in a row, but this is a very different take than the one you articulated for the game between the Dolphins and the Broncos. This is Sean Payton versus Mike McDaniel slash Vic Fangio. Fangio, former head coach of the Broncos. Peyton was the guy the Dolphins were going to hire before Mike McDaniel when they tampered with the Saints and tampered with the Bucks, And this is McDaniel's opportunity to face off against the guy that Stephen Ross wanted to hire and ultimately rob McDaniel of a first-round pick because of the tampering penalty that was levied against the effort to get Sean Payton. So there's some drama there. There's yeah, some there intrigue right. there as the Dolphins and the Broncos prepare to get together, Chris. Yeah, that's, I'm excited to see that one, too. Pressure's on the Broncos. Pressure's on us. We're out of time. See ya. See you tomorrow. Get well, Chris. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.